Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for January 15th, 2023, the second Sunday after the Epiphany in year A. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you feeling? Epiphanied? Oh, that's a good question. I won't go into all the meanings of epiphanied, but... <laughs> This word I may have just made up? Yeah. <laughs> but on an epiphany scale, I'm pretty good. Good, 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 good. Um, uh, I, I, uh, I'm staring right now at this piece of artwork that is on the Vanderbilt Divinity Library for this Sunday, and I'm really curious as to what I'm looking at. Let's see. I th okay. Whoop. That turned into something weirder. <laughs> I told you to get off some of these mailing lists. <laughs> uh, it, for, for, for those of you listening at home, we, uh, uh, we um, often use the Vanderbilt uh, University um, um, website because it has the lectionary, all the lectionary readings, all the different options and, and everything uh, all on one site. And one of the aspects of it is they put on kind of like a banner bar, some sort yeah. of piece of artwork that generally e either – Specifically relates to oh yeah right <laughs> my goodness <laughs> yes I just um that is the one of the oddest things they've ever put up so yeah if you wanna if you want to uh, 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 pause and and head over to yes you can do a quick Google search for Vanderbilt uh, 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 University uh, lectionary page, and you can find uh, uh, through a series of clicks uh, th what today's reading is. Epiphany two way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and up uh, in the left hand corner, click on the thumbnail sketch of a piece of artwork, and it gets even weirder once you see it. Full it sure time. does. Uh, it's called the lamb, <laughs> and it looks like a drunk sheep <laughs> at best. I mean that. Is the cross going through its head? Is it bleeding? I don't know. I'm hoping that's its tongue hanging I out. I think so. It inebriated. Anyways, detour aside, uh, we are um, uh, we are just right into this new year. Uh, so as far as um, what's going on in the church, uh, uh, we'll have just had uh, January's 33rd, 33 and a third event on Sunday, on this past Sunday, on the 8th. Uh, so if you missed that, uh, your next opportunity is the first Sunday of every month, right. with the exception of January, because the first Sunday of that month was New Year's Day, so it didn't quite fit. It was a bummer. Um, but uh, if you missed it, so the next one I believe is February 5th. Let me take a quick look at how the calendar works. And yes, that is in, that is in fact correct. Um, we are, uh, this weekend, uh, on Saturday, we have our gospel at Hogwarts. So depending on when you listen to this, if there, if that was something that, uh, uh, a kid, uh, in your life wanted to sign up for, there might still be time, yeah. uh, if you, if you, uh, if you catch the podcast early enough. Um, <clears throat> we also, uh, have, what was, what else did we want to, did I want to, uh, draw attention to what else? What else is going on at the church? You're still staring at the art, aren't you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Hogwarts is big. Oh, the Bible study Wednesday nights, mm -hmm. and that will be weekly through the season of Epiphany. Right. Uh, Ruth and Esther, right? Yeah. Is that yeah? Uh, uh, really, books, and I think we've said it on this podcast before. Uh, uh, books of the Bible that really have a tendency to get short shrift. Yeah, uh, uh, they're not the any of the quote unquote. Uh, um, major prophets. They're not part of Genesis and Exodus. So like the lectionary doesn't dabble in them too terribly much. Right. So whenever we do get readings, uh, we try to expound on, on, on those as much as possible because it's a, 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 a relatively rare occurrence. So it'd be nice. It'll be It'll really be nice to way. have a, a, a Bible study to go into more depth. On. They're really interesting books. So yeah, I yeah. recommend it highly. Interesting. And it's part of a, a Episcopal church-wide Bible mm -hmm. study program. So yeah. you'll be joining Episcopalians from throughout the world in looking at those books, looking at the same readings. And I don't know, to me, there's always something cool in that kind of oh, yeah. walking the same path simultaneously. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Is anything else we want to highlight, promote at this point in time? We've got a lot of things coming up that's yeah. kind of like on the calendar 
um, but not uh, not but not in the immediate yeah next the, ten days yeah something. that's kind of what I was trying to yeah. trying to think um, so well since uh, since that's our look forward let's take a look back please um, do so this day in church history January fifteenth we have uh, we start with uh, year three forty one A D which is uh, uh, notated here that it's the traditional date, the death of Paul of Thebes in Egypt uh, oh. at the remarkable age of 113 years. He had been one of the earliest Christian hermits and friend of Anthony of the desert and inspired many others to adopt the lifestyle. So, uh, Well, especially once they learned how long he lived. <laughs> right, yeah. Hermitage <laughs> is was, the way to I go. I believe it was the first <laughs> desert retirement community in Christianity. That might very well <laughs> might be. Uh, uh, I, I, I imagine, <laughs> I, 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 I'm just imagining uh, uh, cranky old couples looking at each other going like, so... It, Really, the secret to long life is not being around you. <laughs> That's right. I'm getting another trailer. Apparently, <laughs> what cuts our do. lives short are other people. Um, which I suppose, if you did a deep dive, that very well might be true, actually. I don't know. Um, uh, so we, uh, we, we move forward to 569. Uh, we see the death in County Limerick, Ireland of Eta. Uh, who had founded a famous monastery of holy virgins called... Nope, not, not going to attempt that. Okay, fair enough. Cluan Crital. I tried it anyways. Um, uh, I think where you she, need more phlegm. Right, right. <laughs> Irish phlegm. Yes. Cluan um, Crital. There you are. Uh, where she practiced several mortifications and urged everyone to live perpetually recollected in God as the great means of attaining to perfection. Um, Trying to figure out what all that actually says, um, but uh, uh, no, sorry, I said se practice several. Severe is the word. So uh, yeah, you had a little Freudian slip. Yeah, there. I had a. I I didn't want to make it as weird uh, as as it was. So severe mortification is, is that like body? It you, I don't know about this one, but yeah, I would often you know very little bread and water and. Um, occasionally the self whipping and laying out in snow with no warmth and that sort of stuff. Yikes. Uh, I wonder if that's what killed her. Um, <laughs> um, she was discovered in the fall. Right. Jeez. Uh, 1549 Elizabeth Dirks is arrested in the Netherlands An Anabaptist. She will make a good, this is a, Interesting. She will make a good confession, and that's the words used there, the phrase that you, under severe torture before being drowned. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I'll presume in the context of... Comes from, comes from a book called Women of the Reformation. Yeah, that in that case, the good confession is she did not turn away from Anabaptist principles gotcha. and instead uh, tried to teach the people torturing her gotcha. those principles i wouldn't uh not to criticize uh authorship here but I, I don't know as if that's a confession uh <laughs> well okay it's actually it's an ancient not ancient it's a, a renaissance medieval english usage of good meaning holy mm. and confession meaning statement of faith statement of faith got yeah. it Got it. Okay. All right. Well, then that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, eight years later, 1557, six Protestants are executed by fire at Canterbury for their religious views. Kemp, Water, Prouting, Lowick, Hudson, and Hay. Um, Sit, go over those again. Kemp, Waterer, okay. Prouting, Lowick, Hudson, and Hay. And what year? 1557. Okay. that I'm pretty sure that's during the reign of who we now call Bloody Mary. That seems about the right. It comes from a book called Acts uh, with A-C-T-E-S. Acts and Monuments is the, the name of this book. I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, 1572, Jean uh, d'Albret, Queen of Navarre, uh, publishes a code of ecclesiastical ordinances making Huguenot worship forms mandatory in her province. Uh, Made so, them all Protestant. -y. Right, 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 right. Um, 
1702, Isaac Watts is called as pastor to Newington, where he will set a high standard of preaching and overcome the resistance of the established church to the introduction of new hymns. So, uh, good on them. I like that. I like I like new hymns. New hymns are good. Um, this one's this one. I just like this guy's name. 1820, Pliny Fisk. Uh, reaches Smyrna, commencing missionary laborers in the Middle East that will take him to Alexandria, Jerusalem, Aleppo, Tripoli, Be- uh, Beirut, and he will uh, distribute 4,000 copies of the Bible or parts of Scripture and 20,000 tracts. Goodness gracious. Right? What, what year? 1820. Pliny Fisk. <laughs> okay. I, is that one name or two names? Pliny and Fisk. Fisk. <laughs> yep. Because I was going to say, it sounds like a... Character in a Peaky Sea. Peaky Blinders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, let's see here. Uh, moving on down. Eight, uh, 1910, Alice Wood, a Canadian Methodist Holy... Canadian Methodist Holiness Missionary arrives in Argentina uh, where she will become one of the first missionaries to establish a permanent... Pentecostal presence in Buenos Aires. Uh, by about the middle of the 20th century, Pentecostals will have converted as many as one-tenth of the Argentinian people. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think Pentecostalism is pretty goofy, but it took a lot to go to these very, very strong Roman Catholic countries to do that kind of work. Yeah. Um 1912, we see, I found this fascinating. 1912, the birth of James Edwin Orr in Belfast, Ireland. January 15th will be an important day in his life because on that day, not only was he born, uh, he will be converted, married, and ordained. <laughs> How many years apart? Uh, it does not say. Aww. But but I, I, I have a feeling... Um, God bless a woman who gets married to a, a dude during an ordination. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm hoping. Conversion, ordination, out. and marriage all in one ceremony might be yeah, a little going bit down much. the aisle. Hon, I got something to tell you. You got to turn around for one more service. I do. I renounce my prior faith, and I am now a priest. Congrats. <laughs> Let's go find ourselves a musty rectory to live in. <laughs> Um, uh, 1951, death in New Zealand of evangelist Harry Ironside, another great name, uh, who had pastored really? Moody Church in Chicago, uh, for many years and had authored more than 60 Christian works. Um, <laughs> and how many non-Christian I don't know. I don't, it, it didn't bother to the say. The Hindu ones just didn't sell. Right? 1955, Stanley Tam, internationally successful Christian businessman. I want so much more information on this yeah. entry. Gives his business to God and will have legal documents drawn up confirming it. <laughs> okay. Like, to the church in God's name? Or did you turn over... There's a terrible old joke about... Three clergy talking, and I'll just get to the punchline neighborhood of their they're talking about how do you decide how much you give to God and how much you keep for things you want to spend it on. Mm-hmm. And the the punchline is the last preacher says, I throw it all up in the air and I say, God, grab what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Uh yeah, uh, so I, I I want to know more. There's a book apparently called God Owns My Business, which I, I suppose <laughs> will tell the tale. <laughs> um, I, I I would I'm curious to know how that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but okay. Uh, and then uh, finally, 1998, uh, the death of Harold Linzel at Lake Forest, California. A fundamentalist convert, goodness, fundamentalist controversy, controversialist, fundamentalist controversialist. That sounds okay. Contradictory. Un- unnecessarily uh, complicated. Yeah. He was a controversial fundamentalist, right? I mean, it, something. I guess he was well known for his b- book called "The Battle for the Bible," which I actually have heard, and I seem to remember there being a little bit of hubbub over uh, uh, that. Um, 
back in the day, and that would have been when I was a kid. Um, uh, but that's uh, that's it. That's this day in church history, January fifteenth. Um, uh, maybe be like uh, uh, what was his name, um, James Edwin Orr, and go out and make January fifteenth the keystone of all the the highlights of your life. <laughs> Well, and if anyone's curious, God owns my biz owns my business is still in print and available. Interesting. Well, I uh, can't tell if the guy's still alive, so that we should get ten percent of uh, yeah. all <laughs> as, as a referral fee. Um, okay, I got which will then give to God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm crawling out of the rabbit hole. <laughs> I have returned. You are uh, you, you have fallen into two pits, yes. that, a rabbit a rabbit hole so far today. One in artwork and one in God owns that, my business. That, either one is pretty bizarre. <laughs> very very true. Uh, well, let's uh, let's go to something less bizarre. Let's yeah. hope uh, our first Save reading. Us, Isaiah. <laughs> Isaiah is our first reading, chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. This is the surfer's reading. Oh, the sur- do I should I read it that way? Yeah. No. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Listen to me, O oh coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. No, I can't yeah. do that. I can't do that. <clears throat> Listen to me, O oh coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Um, well, the first thing I'm going to say, which is not great not a not, not a very effective to say on a podcast and so if you were reading along uh this translation uses way too many commas <laughs> Which, i'm having trouble figuring out like where that go, some of, where some of these things go like but uh but yeah the, uh, so isaiah 49 um is this is this second isaiah this is yeah okay second <clears throat> on the on the bridge of third this has some I don't want to say st- no. I'm going to say strange uh, 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 writing style. Uh, it's got a strange writing style. Uh, in that oh, twice here, uh, there's like oh, and God says, and then there's like this giant like side ramble. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say ramble, but like side, you know, uh, um, statement. And then we come back to like what God is actually saying. Yeah. So it, it in in a way I. I and I, I kind of need to re, maybe reread it to see if that side statement that is designed to affect how you listen to what is being said, or if it might make more sense, at least to the way that we read now, to say the Lord says, and then the the statement, and then maybe the uh, or the quote, and then go back to that side statement. And see, uh, uh, yeah, it, so, it, it distracted me for sure as I was reading it. Verse five is probably the strongest example of that, where it's this whole aside that sets the credentials of God and the the listener. Ah, uh, okay, the yeah, uh-huh. suffering servant who this is who is the subject of this reading. So I'm going to try that actually. And now the Lord says, 
It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Now remember that the Lord, who is the one who formed me in the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him, for he, I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. There you go. Something like that. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, that, that I don't know, it was like that, that reading detour uh, uh, threw me uh, a, a little bit, uh, and I think my brain was trying to work overtime as, as like, yeah. Why are we doing this? Why, you know, why did you start off with thus says the Lord and then you didn't go into what thus he says? Well, there had, yeah. And it's, it's, it makes it, it's, it's so the reader slash listener will be reminded yet again how powerful and central God is to the universe. Mm -hmm. And, to this person. Gotcha. So uh, so the reason he can give this massive task mm. to the suffering servant, being the light to the nations, is because of what's in verse 5. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, it does it again there in, in the last verse, uh, 7. It does another like kind of listing of God's credentials. Yeah. Uh, um, so maybe, it, and, and I'm sure that's, probably from a writing technique just to kind of uh, a stylistic choice to drive mm -hmm. home the point a second time, which is pretty infamous uh, for, for Hebrew writing, as we've discussed before, of like kind of a repetition, but a different way, uh, yeah. saying it a, a, a different way in a second time. And, and in later, um, both Old Testament and then it, and then we, we experience the most in the Gospels is the reversal. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like mm -hmm. a parable in Jesus's mouth of like in seven, um, the one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, dot, dot, dot. Kings shall see and stand up princes and they shall prostrate themselves. Mm -hmm. There's this, this flip that's a lot more powerful when you're reminded about how low the subject of this, these verses has been. Gotcha. Uh, now, before I read, you called this the surfers. Uh, yeah, uh, that was just is, the first. Verse. Is that just because of the coastlands? Oh, yeah. coastlands. Um, uh, so, where where the second author of Isaiah is coming from as they're writing is during captivity, and this this one seems to be. Okay, this is part of a series of what are now called the Suffering Servant Songs. Um, Christians identify the Suffering Servant as Jesus for the most part. Jews identify it as the Jewish people as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, but it's their passages that once again encourage the folks to return to Jerusalem and Israel um, don't don't stay behind in ba Babylonia now that you have this chance to go home, even right. though you've never seen the place. Yeah. Um, I do like the imagery that that's called upon uh, in verse two. Um, he made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand. He hid me. Uh, he made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. So like not only is it like a. a uh, this this imagery that what I have to say and what I'm here to do uh, will be swift, immediate, piercing, even. But you're not gonna see it coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like just just uh, in the dead of night, I'm gonna you know <laughs> do a do you know jab 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 like ninja prophets, <laughs> right? Ninja, ninja prophets. <laughs> you're the light of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I kind of like that. I, I, I like that language there. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, as you pointed out, yeah, this kind of reminder, uh, which during this period of time for the Israelites, uh, when you're, when you're looking th through it, uh, uh, looking at it through that lens, it's a reminder. Yeah. Don't lose yourself. Yeah. Don't lose. Remember what you are called to be. 
uh, if you're in captivity and you are you you have adapted to this uh, this new lifestyle that was you know was chosen for you. Uh, yeah. Don't forget the the promise uh, of that that God has made to you and what you are supposed to do and supposed to be. Uh, and it does have this kind of forward looking uh, thought process that. It, it doesn't really seem to be driving home like this is what you need to be doing now. It kind of does seem to imply like there will come a time again. So don't forget. You know, like, Well, yeah. And also it's not just – it's also – it's well worth it to you to go back and fulfill this desire by God. To, of this desire for greatness for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it won't be easy and um, it may even be deadly, but it's well worth it doing it. It's who you are. There you go. And it really is like, okay, in anthropology, there's a saying, everyone steals from God. And so... It's a good phrase. Yeah. And you look at the hero arcs in a lot of comics and action movies this is part of that when the hero is beaten down and he's thinking, why am I bothering? I should just quit. Mm -hmm. um, let the world save itself. This is Isaiah saying, no, that's not who you are. And the hero leaps back into action and saves the day. Gotcha. Um, I did want to ask about this, uh, this uh, phrasing here in verse five, because I feel like it's uh, I, I lose a little bit. Uh, uh, again, we have, a repeated uh, statement here about who formed me in the womb, um, uh, which is kind of a, a repeat, uh, but in a different way of verse one, where it, yeah. while I was in my mother's womb, he named me. Um, but then it says to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered for him. Um, I'm not like that line of to bring Jacob back to him doesn't bring forth meaning on first reading so what, what what's what is being said there like uh to jacob is a name for israel okay okay so it, it is yeah. again this the suffering servant imagery you you suffering servant are called to bring israel back gotcha so this is this is again another one of those hebrew phrases of Say it one way this yeah. way, say it another way this way, saying the same thing. Right. To bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him. Exactly. Uh, is, is a statement of what I'm saying. Because, yeah, I was sitting here going like, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's is Jacob, Jacob's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because part of um, Jacob's history is that when he struggled with the divine being mm -hmm. angel, whatever it was and prevailed his, the divine figure named him Israel, mm. gave him a new name. Gotcha. 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 Um, anything else about this reading here? Um, it's worth it to look up suffering servant passages. I think there are three in Isaiah and it's really cool to read them one after another. Are we? No, we're not. I'm answering my own question. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, are we reading another one next week? We're not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no such luck. Uh, okay. Well, then let's move on to our psalm of the day. Yes. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 11. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from a, the desolate pit out of m the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who made the Lord their trust, who did not, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear, burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am, the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to you to do your will, 
O God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. Um, <clears throat> it is... It's, it's, this is a, for, for me, this one's kind of an interesting one because it's like a, it reads like more of a personal, I don't know, like a diary, uh, yeah. kind of entry, yeah. uh, in my head. Do we know anything about Psalm 40? Um, not a lot in part because it's a hybrid Psalm. The second part that we, we don't read is more, um, generalized. Mm. that um, that records the, the further travails of the author and makes makes it makes it weird <laughs> in turn yeah you know, most psalms have a focus uh -huh. unless they're extremely long like some of the, the big long ones um, it, so to have one this short have two very distinct, um, subjects, mm -hmm. corporate and individual, is pretty freaky. When when you call it a hybrid, is there an indication that the that there are two different writings put together? No one thinks that. Okay, just I'm double scanning to make sure. Um, yeah, it, it, they don't think that it's two different authors. It's just the same author want to talk about both these things in this. Song. Gotcha. And a hard, hard left turn. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's connecting the individual and the community, uh -huh. which for a modern reader seems bizarre, but particularly back then and really until pretty recent, it was just accepted that every human was part of a community. Mm. So I bet the the people who worshipped with this psalm originally would say, no this this is just what life is it's not a hybrid mm. it's all it's all one piece it's all the same yeah um, and attempts to divide them is makes it artificial gotcha um, in verse six what is the difference between a burnt offering and sin offering the Burnt offering, I'm just trying to, I'm seeing if the commentaries say anything particular about this use. The, it's, it's a poetic repetition. Okay. And there are, let's see. Um, okay. I'm trying to pull myself out of that rabbit hole. <laughs> the pitfalls of reading the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to have to look at this later. <laughs> um, anyway, burnt offering and sin offering. Burnt offering was a routine um, form of worship, mm -hmm. whereas a sin offering came out of uh, an event that had to be addressed. Gotcha. And okay. usually not, it didn't have to be a big deal. Uh, an example of, you know, it's not... I killed someone, so now I have to offer a sin offering. You can just be, oops, I didn't fast during this part of the festival time or something like that. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So one is one is uh, one is normal daily normal practice. Like, yeah. Maybe not daily, but normal practice. And then the other is, yep. Oh, better better yeah. write myself for that one. <laughs> yeah, and neither one would have seen been seen as extraordinary. So it's also a little gotcha. bit of that. Um, Hebrew poetry repetition. Do we have any idea what is being referred to in the next uh, uh, um, verse when the author says, here I am in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I am glad you asked. I am also glad I asked. <laughs> we have no idea. Okay. Okay. Um, in particularly in um, <laughs> 
the the style of Christianity that we read about people being burned and stuff today, or drowned or whatever, they they grabbed on this, and it also the same phrase appears in the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament, the my name appearing in the scroll of the book, to create this um, theology. Yeah, it's a theology that there is an accountant in the divine world um, that is recording everything people do hmm. and getting, you know, whenever it is that you snuff it, the calculator spiels out whether you made a profit or a loss on being a good person. Gotcha. Um, keep in mind that, again, the, the book of Psalms was a book of worship rather than a book of theology. And right. so... The, and written by lots of different people. And they seldom allowed a good image to get in the way of, or yeah, they didn't want to let go of a good image, even if it was confusing to later readers. Gotcha. Uh, or singers, since they were hymns. Yeah. Well, and obviously, uh, uh, current lectionary, um, um, what would that be? Con constructionists yeah, yeah. uh constructors um uh have put it uh, put this together with our first reading uh and so our current interpretation uh is kind of designed to be like oh hey remember that yeah. top talk in isaiah about like hey israel uh um you know the, this the suffering servant and yeah. and and uh uh you know, you're going to be a light on the hill. Uh, and then we go into this Psalm reading and like, Hey, remember that thing that we just read? That's written about me. Yeah. 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 So, it, especially it, since the Psalm in our, in our, in our, uh, services read together. Um, like it, it, we're creating a, at least a new, uh, or, or, or current, um, um, situation where we're kind of like reaffirming, uh, yeah. What the, was written like, Hey, this is, our task. This, they, is, this the, is us. The huge irony of conservative Christians saying this is warning you about not going to hell. Make sure your name is written in the right book. Mm -hmm. one, the, one of the ironies is this is being read out of a book that is considered holy and is much more likely to refer to the book of Isaiah mm -hmm. than something we've never heard of before. Um, taking place in the heavenly accounting office. Right. Yeah. Um, so you you would think a Bible centered people would first go, oh, this is the it's a book, it's the Bible. Right. And nope. one of the holy texts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which really, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could imagine any number of pairings in a in a lectionary that could would would then change, yeah. like the nuanced feeling that a reader would have like, mm -hmm. Hey, remember that reading that I just paired it with earlier? Uh, the aper the, the lectionary aperitif, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it changes mm -hmm. the way, uh, uh, it, it, it goes down as, as a result. Um, all right. So I have to ask, uh, cause I always love asking, um, um, interpretive questions. Good. Uh, um, verse two, I love the phrasing, uh, drew me up out of the des desolate pit out of the miry bog, miry bog. I gotta ask, because uh, 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 that that also seems pretty British of us, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, it does. That's okay. I'm... I mean, not that there it... weren't bogs, uh, and not that there would wouldn't be a word that equates to miry. Well, what do you know in the Bible? This is the only place that Hebrew word occurs. Oh, okay. So, and we don't have many written documents in Hebrew outside of Bibles. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the, the English translators got to do a little bit of interpreting <laughs> and decided, yeah, um, the a miry bog, that sounds like a desolate pit. Let's make it that. Um, but well, especially with the next line, set and set my feet upon a rock. Yeah. So I, I can understand why following the Hebrew <clears throat> yeah. 
poetry rules. It has to be the opposite of a rock. And so, yeah, for um, particularly the British Isles, a miry bog is the opposite of a rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which, you know, for sure I have uh, taken stances of disagreement with uh, instances like this where, where people have chosen to yeah. to make an interpretation but a, but in, in i i shouldn't say instances like this because it's i feel like this is a pretty rare occurrence where something is has literally no other reference mm-hmm. that and the door opens up to the translators to go what do you want this to say <laughs> <clears throat> you know what i mean and at the end of the day you know i can't fault them for 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 their for their choice because yeah it, it it's not like they're you have the context clues that you have and it's not like as a translator you could just go i don't know what that is so we skip it right <laughs> you right. know uh um but we don't but but we don't identify uh the nuance of that situation for translations as we read the bible because yeah. the bible is the bible and it says what it says uh so yeah. and and there's a certain amount of um trust that yeah goes into reading a bible in english or whatever one's uh given language is um because you don't it's it's not clear unless they're footnotes what is a one-off and what is yeah that it's used this way eight times right yeah 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 so like you know the the you know the the word lord yeah plenty right. of usage we know exactly what this word is <laughs> but but there are two different words that we oh, translate as lord there's so many no that's pretty much two is it yeah because uh I mean, but they have very different connotations i was gonna say so i mean even just in this reading alone we have lord and we have god yeah uh and then other times we have creator and other times we have uh you know like the what's the phrase master of all things or you know what i mean like it's it's in a yeah. way it, you, I, it, I suppose you're right i suppose you're right those other instances would be more poet poetic uh references mm-hmm. to uh draw up that image of those two words um there's gotta be another one though isn't there isn't it? i feel like there's a whole there, there's like a whole series of like uh, uh christmas songs where you list through the <laughs> all the names for god i mean come on yeah there are lots um but but in the hebrew but in hebrew there are two that there are two that typically translated as lord and and that's part of the was that the, yahweh and jehovah well, those are the same. Just Jehovah is really bad translation. Oh, oh, see, I'm liking that. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, Jehovah's Witnesses. And the other, <laughs> and the other is Elohim. Elohim. Okay. Those okay. are the two that can that can be translated as Lord. And within a translation, a good translation, and most of them do this. They'll be consistent about what English term they use with particular Greek or Hebrew terms. Gotcha. Okay. So like in, um, was it verse three that it says God? Mm-hmm. Um, that is another term that can be used for various gods, not just the one true God. It's more the generic term. Gotcha. Rather than the name. Okay. Interesting. Translation is interesting to me. Yeah, um, I wish I was smarter so that I could do even more of it. I don't know. I don't know if so I want to see your translations. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be a fun. That would be a that would be a a, a fun exercise actually. Um, anything more about this uh, this psalm? I think we've done a good job. With I I agree. I concur. <laughs> um, all right. Well, then let's move on to our gospel reading for the day, which is John chapter one, verse twenty nine through forty two. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. 
I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he who he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and testified that this is the son of God. The next day, John again was standing with the, with two of his disciples. And he, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here's the lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. He came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Um, so, first of all, uh, we have, we have this, uh, we have this story about kind of like the passing of the baton as it were in the, in the John gospel, right. uh, from, uh, John the Baptist to Jesus. Um, John, the, John the Baptist, uh, uh, um, think of it as a, as a, uh, uh, a Twitter personality actually goes out of his way to push some of his followers yeah. over to another another account. Uh, and only one of them gets named in this story. Uh, do we have any idea who the other one is? No. Sucks to be you then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure there's some medieval um, exegesis that says, oh, I think it's so-and-so. Mm-hmm. It was quickly made a saint. Um so, uh, but but the the phrasing here is two of his disciples, which implies that there's more. There was probably more than two. Yeah. Um. But uh, uh, I'm I'm also curious which. So so in John we don't have. Do we have the story of the baptism with the? No. So okay. Um. And then and John was written later. So where do we have the story of Jesus' baptism and the dove coming down from heaven? Well, each. Each one of the Gospels acknowledges Jesus was baptized. Right. John uh, equivocates about who did it. Um, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And by equivocates, you mean uh, doesn't expressly state. Right. John just witnessed his witnessed this event that the dove came down on him there's no no the language indication does not imply as i was baptizing jesus yep, <laughs> the right. dove came down right. it was just yeah i saw that <laughs> i was there i saw it yeah exactly mm -hmm. okay. and um so there there even i don't think any still exist but in early church days there were churches that focused on the gospel of john whose theology was very explicit that Jesus baptized himself and mm. John watched. Gotcha. But there, with all the um, descriptions in the other three Gospels, I'm, I don't know of any Christian groups that still believe that. And this is mostly... Uh, we mostly we believe that most of this is uh, intentional language yeah. by the author of John because... Um, at the time that the gospel was being written, uh, there was still a strong contingent of John the Baptist followers. So wasn't this like perhaps intentional? Even, yeah. And perhaps even larger than the community of Christians. Okay. So this was intentionally using language to be like, no, 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 it's not John the Baptist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And before this there in chapter one, there's a, um, it's very explicit that John is saying, I'm not the Messiah. Mm -hmm. I am test. I'm giving testimony to the one who is, mm -hmm. and then in this part, of chapter one says, "And that's him." Gotcha. How many? How many of the gospel uh, accounts of John the Baptist does he use something something equal to that phrase of like one coming after me uh, is gonna you know 
the the thong of his sandals I'm unworthy to untie something to that effect is that just a couple of them I I, I feel like that there's two like Luke and Matthew maybe uh, as I'm stabbing in the dark <laughs> only Matthew only Matthew yeah interesting <laughs> well I got one one out of two ain't bad um in fact, Luke is kind of close to how John treats it, where it says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended gotcha. upon him. So, so both they, Luke and John are, are kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, John, John the Baptist, yada, yada, yada. And then like pushing forward in the story. Well, although, well, no, I, I take that back because John is taking extra steps to be like, not John, not John, not yeah, John. And... <laughs> Luke doesn't say John the Baptist was even there. Interesting. Okay. That it's... Um, so is the only reference to John the Baptist in Luke uh, the, uh, the 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 leap of joy in his mother's womb and then later the story of uh, him being called, his execution being called for? I'm asking lots another... of... <laughs> Quick, <laughs> flip pages! <laughs> there... There is in chapter three um, a description of John the Baptist doing baptisms. Okay, and him getting in trouble with the uh, Roman authorities for doing so, and then Jesus complimenting John the Baptist to the folks who had started to follow Jesus hmm. by saying it has that thing about the when you went out to see John the Baptist, did you go out to see someone in fine robes? No. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, so Luke definitely has a high respect or exhibits a high respect, puts it in the and sees Jesus as having a high respect for John the Baptist and yet doesn't have John the Baptist being described as baptizing Jesus. Hmm. OK, interesting. And so, baptism, as we've said before, was a pretty common ritual act. Right. For Jews. Yeah. Um, did it, people would do it multiple times. So mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's not automatic that John the Baptist would be the baptizer. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the author, uh, takes care to, uh, do this, uh, the same thing we've been talking about today of doing it twice Yeah, <laughs> to drive home the point, uh, not, you know, which the way it's done in John uh, almost makes you sit, sit there and think, if I were in Jesus' shoes, like <laughs> just walking by, like, there he goes! Yeah. There's Jesus! <laughs> the Lamb of God! Oh my gosh, that guy again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the second day in a row. Now there's people following me now? What? Okay, all right. Hey, who are you? What do you want? <laughs> it was just kind of... <laughs> and within John, yeah, you're completely right. But I like to combine the two, so it's because... You're right. <laughs> Yeah. Take it easy. Hey, man. cousin. Yeah. <laughs> There's my cousin. He's the Messiah. I don't know if you knew yet. Pretty happy about it. Family's all proud. Yeah. <laughs> don't know what it means for me. Uh oh. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> even even the way that this is written, though, in John. Uh, uh, you do kind of get a little bit of a vibe that Jesus is turning tur does turn around and goes. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are following really close. Are you look? Can I help you? Are you looking You're for something? My sandal, a flat tire, right? Yeah. Uh, to which, if that's your mindset as you read it, the response isn't great. Hey, teacher, where are you staying? <laughs> uh, nowhere. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Just passing through. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to my mom's house. Right? <laughs> no room. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, so they, they they do, they obviously they use this word rabbi, which it does announce their, it kind of announces their intentions. Yes, which for John, that's an insufficient title. Okay. In the other gospels, it's like, hey, that's pretty good. Whereas in John, it's, okay, these guys don't get it. Hmm. Uh, where you know that that he need Jesus should Jesus should have a more exalted title than the one that can be given to 
a half dozen people in any given town. Gotcha. Yeah, this this whole passage has a whole bunch of uh, internal translate translation. Yeah. Translation uh uh markers like it actually tells the reader hey this is a translation of you know um Mm -hmm. which that's in the original writing right that's not our like later translators trans adding translative notes (laughs) no okay um uh so one the the one worth naming apparently uh disciple uh that that peels off from john the baptist to go to jesus uh andrew um runs to his uh to his uh um brother and which and and says hey we found the messiah which translated as anointed uh which i guess i didn't realize that was the translation translative uh uh word for messiah oh uh, yeah anointed yeah. one i i i know i've heard a phrase like heard that as in in like the same phrase but i wasn't mm-hmm. didn't realize that was like a repetition of what that word means um but it, it's but keep in mind that in the old king's jewish practice they were anointed that was right what marked them as the king so it's not a spiritual thing necessarily oh interesting uh so so then uh Strictly speaking, there were lots of messiahs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that that had been that was that's a term that has its uh, level of importance determined later, right? Uh, after all these writings, that and again, it has a special connotation now. It's part of John saying. Yeah, it's part of John trying to teach his audience that Jesus literally changed language. Mm-hmm. That's how. It, that's how history changing he was. What an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> you. <Yes. laughs> um, uh, so I, I, I'm struck also then by the naming uh, uh, and words and translations uh, here abound in this reading. Yeah. Um, so Andrew's brother, his name is Simon Peter. So uh, is it really... So so basically, when Andrew brings his brother to Jesus, all Jesus is really doing is saying, like, I don't like your first name. <laughs> We're going to just call you by your your mi- no. middle name now. <laughs> no, I don't think he's identified as Simon Peter. Yeah. Where? Uh, one uh, in verse 40. Uh, one of the two who heard John oh. speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon um, Peter's brother. brother. Yeah. The... The way this usually is interpreted is that was for people who, at the, by the time John was writing, everyone had heard of Peter. So it was the foreshadowing of what would, what was about to take place of gaining the nickname Peter. Gotcha. Because otherwise, like, Simon, I don't know. I don't know. Wait, what did he say about Peter? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, so 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 I'm right. He's like, yes, and I was. I don't like your first name. (laughs) I don't like your first name. I shall now call you. Uh, (laughs) No, he uh, he 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 likes his his middle name better, uh, and he's like, no, no, I'm not doing Simon anymore. (laughs) Peter, I like Peter. I like the way it rolls off the tongue. I like the way it sounds. I like the percussive (laughs) sound. (laughs) I'm gonna call you Peter. But I'm curious though that it says you'll. He actually says you'll be called Cephas, which is translated. Uh, Peter. So is Cephas there in verse 42, the same word as Peter in verse 40? Yes. Okay. So, um, and is that the same word that is, is, is that the same name throughout uh, the writing of John when yes. we talk about Peter? Yes. And actually in the writings, it's Cephas. So then what is, well, Cephas is the Greek. Cephas is the Greek. Okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. So then, um, okay, I'm just trying to put it into my head. So in verse 40, it actually says, uh, uh, it uses the word Cephas. And in verse 42, it uses the word Cephas, which is translated Peter. And is Peter, like just Peter in the original? Like what's the what's the word used there at the end of this reading? Petra. Petra. Which is Greek for Peter. Okay. 
Interesting. So I may have said something backwards. Um, Maybe, but I'm the one in the dark, so I can't tell you. <laughs> no, okay. We're, we're, okay. It says in the Greek, well, word for word translation using English, because who cares what the Greek is who's listening to this podcast? You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Cephas comes from the, is, is a Greek alliteration of the Aramaic term that in Greek is Peter. Gotcha. So John's trying to capture what Jesus actually said, because mm -hmm. they spoke Aramaic <clears throat> right. to each other, while writing in Greek so that the gospel is accessible to mm -hmm. lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Did the meaning of Petra uh, become, was it rock? at the time or was that something that came later do you know it um it was all it was already a name that meant rock okay which is a purposeful pun purposeful yes literally at the time though uh i'm putting myself in simon peter's shoes i'm not entirely sure i'd be thrilled <laughs> I'm going to call you Rock. <laughs> if only he had trademarked it. Right? Like, ooh, Rock? Like, Pebble? Stone? Like, well, yeah, that's the thing is that like John's big in words, especially through his passage. There are mm -hmm. all sorts of words that are used, like rabbi, that, that at this point, uh, the audience can say, oh, not so bad, or, hmm. But we'll continue to develop their meaning through the rest of the gospel. Gotcha. So yeah, Peter at this time may have been, nah, but by the end, it's one of the resurrection appearances where Jesus calls him to be the head of the church. Right. Um, then it's like, okay, that's a good rock. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 Looking at it from a larger story perspective, yeah, yeah, you it you know initially, if you had no understanding of what the story was and where it was going, yeah, you would have this and you'd be like, oh, that's kind of a yeah. dud name, yeah. So he's gonna probably be like the least of the, the bonehead, yeah, the least of these you know characters. Yeah. You know, he's getting it. He's getting a very specific name. The author is giving me a very mm -hmm. specific name. He's going to be in the story for a while, I assume, but I don't think he's going to be that big of a deal. And then, Or he'll be the comic relief. Right, right, right. And then you get uh, through enough of the gospel where you have that term of, oh, or that turn where it says, yeah. oh, rock is important. Yeah. <laughs> rock yeah. is, by, by rock, it, you know, he means cornerstone. Mm -hmm. That's different. <laughs> Why didn't you say so? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't I get the name for Cornerstone? <laughs> Come on, took too long. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's got all these cool names like Rabbi and Messiah, and I'm over here called Rock. <laughs> Could I um, be called Eagle? Right. Um, yeah, and, he who soars. <laughs> Come on, give me something snazzy. Yeah, and in the Synoptic Gospels, it's it's. Very clear that Peter early on is part of the inner circle. Mm -hmm. And in John, it's kind of clear, but what one can read in here through the through the rest of John's gospel is this tension between Peter and the unnamed beloved disciple mm -hmm. who is literally at Jesus's side during the Last Supper and other key moments, um, but who's never named. And so there's speculation that's the guy who's walking with Andrew mm. in um, this account we have who's not named. Well, maybe that's the first appearance of the beloved disciple. Um, and who is credited, I guess that's a okay word to use, with being the source witness for the author of the Gospel of John. Oh, okay. Um, but all that said, 
there's John has to give Peter his due because by this point Peter has risen to leadership in the early Christian community. There's mm-hmm. no you know there's no denying. Okay, that's the first bishop. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, and so he's a lead character in the Gospel of John, but um, there's often a balance, particularly with the appearance or and or the words of the unnamed beloved disciple. Hmm. Yeah, there's a whole thing that we get. There's there's a giant rabbit hole worth uh, exploring Ooh. on the beloved disciple. Yeah, maybe one of these. There days. are literally gazillions of books written on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very fascinating to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Not today. Not today, though. Uh, With that, I think we will call uh, a close to this, your podcast for January 15th, 2023, the second Sunday after the Epiphany in year A. Uh, And uh, we really look forward to uh, worshiping with you this coming Sunday. Uh, Whichever uh, way fits your schedule and and your circumstances, uh, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock live and in person. I remembered one of the things that I wanted to promote. The 15th is the return of the 9 o'clock in-person educational right. hour. For all ages. For all ages. Uh, so we, we bring that back after the holiday season this Sunday. So uh, 8 and 10 in-person with the 9 o'clock hour in between. 10 o'clock service is broadcast live on our YouTube channel, HFEC Videos. And uh, until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye.